Thank you for joining us for Effective Heart Change, the podcast that will discuss how to apply faith principles to real-life situations. This is Effective Heart Change. And it is good to be here with Effective Heart Change. How are you doing, Dale? Well, I'm ready to jump in and, and learn more about Effective Heart Change. I really have enjoyed sitting in on a class preceding this, and uh, you're giving me a lot of things to work on in my own life. So thanks. You know, it's interesting. You said jump in and learn. Uh, we talked about in class. I'm an external verbal processor. That's, that's a big no, mouthful. I would have never guessed. That's a big mouthful, but what it means is I actually learn when I talk. Now, I, that's kind of scary, but a lot of times just sitting and doing a program like this, it's like new things come out in new ways, and you're like, oh, wow, that that's kind of interesting. It is, and I, I tend to have those moments, too. Uh, in talking with somebody about something, they bring up something that I hadn't considered before or see it from a different point of view, perspective, like I, you like to use that word. But it does give you pause, and, and I store those things up and then revisit them later. We've been talking about authority, and we started with the, the definition, and authority really just boils down to influence. And the way God has created us, and I like to go back to Genesis one twenty six, where he told us to rule, man, mankind rule, influence, it's one of those things that if we don't have influence in the lives of other people, we just don't feel good about ourselves. And say it another way, if we're not making a difference, if we don't feel like we're making a difference, it's just life just isn't good. So then we start trying to increase our influence. We increase our authority and it gets into control. It gets into manipulation. And today we're going to talk a little bit about some of the unhealthy side of authority. Now, when you use the word rule, that word makes me cringe a little bit. Yes, it does. Yeah. You don't like that word. Well, it isn't that I like it, but I think that uh, the way we're going to discuss authority today will put that on a, on a temporary basis and not a, a chosen word that we use. Jesus obviously updated that word when he said, the greatest of all is the servant of all. So, if you're really going to rule, that means you put yourself in a position, if you're doing it in a godly way, you put yourself in a position to come alongside or maybe even to come underneath to be that support person, perhaps be the person in the background, but you're making other people successful. You're making other people the best they can be. That's, that's the best kind of ru ruling from a biblical standpoint. That's, like, that's what I like about this progression that you're going through with authority, is that uh, there's this perception, uh, and, and I've, uh, over, the, over the years I've, I've noticed that in, uh, Americans as a whole have a different perception of, of a lot of things, and authority is one of those, that uh, uh, the iron fist is, is more uh, palpable for most Americans uh, not that they want to live under it, but they want to have it. They, they want to give it. They don't want to <laughs> there receive you go. it. There you go. So, so that uh, this progression has been healthy for me to to consider. Let's go ahead and jump into the unhealthies because we haven't talked about that as much. We've talked about it in general, and so 
The unhealthies, let me just start and, and revisit a topic. I believe that healthy authority ultimately is about heart change. And what does that mean? That means you, if, if you don't do your influence in a way that builds trust and wins hearts, in the long run, everything you try to lay out is it's going to blow up anyway. So if you want to have long-term influence, you've got to work towards heart change, towards winning hearts, towards building values in people. Now, unhealthy authority does the opposite. Unhealthy authority is, I'm going to rule over you because I can. Whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not. Yeah, and it doesn't so, have a, so much or maybe even anything to do with you other than control. So it becomes more of a power trip sort of a thing. Now, most of the time, you already said it, I don't mind ruling. I just don't like being ruled. Well, guess what? If you're trying to rule, that's how people are going to respond to you. So what happens is people end up doing the backdoor things. And it may not even, you may not even think of it as influencing or ruling or anything like that. But the number one thing that I pick up on Satan's name, one of the primary names that he's given is? The accuser. The accuser of the brethren. One of the big ways that people use to try to get to other people is this whole thing of accusations, uh, being critical, trying to find flaws, find places, ways to tear other people down. And, and then an interesting progression on that, it would seem, is the passive-aggressive thing, that, that I come at you, but then I try to veil it with, with softer images to— uh, to, to to put a little guilt on you, uh, control, and and yet not seem be the 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 aggressive bad guy in the whole situation. You've got that whole idea of accusing where I'm trying to pick out stuff, and some of this is actually almost a knowledge game. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes power is the fist. Sometimes power is knowledge. So I'm trying to prove my superiority over you in some way. Well, if I, I feel like if I can pick you apart, then, then I can start controlling you and ruling over you. And, and a lot of times that's how people respond. There's a problem with that, and that's the old saying, if I've got one finger pointing at you, I've got three pointing back at me. What we instinctively know and understand, if I'm accusing, or I'll put it into a different language, if I'm judging you, that with the same measure that I put out there, it's going to be measured back to me. So when I'm doing that accusation, I've got this thing going on in here, and I'm creating a level of insecurity inside of me. I'm creating a level of, oh, well, do I measure up to that? And, and again, sometimes people are pretty good at, at papering that over and walling that off, and so they're, they're, they're pretty sure of themselves, and they really stay in this other zone. But every time you're being an accuser, every time you're putting out stuff like that, you're actually setting up stuff for yourself to live up to so that the next time you don't live up to that, there's going to be some insecurity, some frustration. Then when I'm talking to people, what happens? People are spiritual perceivers. So now I've got all kinds of mixed messages going on underneath the surface between me and that other person. And it all starts at home. 
and it all starts at home. <laughs> That's the interesting part about it. We, we, uh, I, I'm reminded of a, a situation that I've been in where someone accuses me of something, and then the next follow up is, "Oh, I was just kidding." Uh, and and it, it's it's not once, not twice; it's repeatedly. And so I'm always wondering, what does that mean? Let me go to a couple of Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the pure in heart. You know, if, if I'm in either of those zones and I'm in the peacemaker zone or if I'm in the pure in heart zone and you're looking at that now, what, what happens? The messages that I send are just totally different if I'm in those zones. Then my chance of actually influencing people in a godly way, much, much greater. But we don't think about that. We think about the immediate, what, what, not, not the servant kind of authority where I come under and I try to encourage, but I think much more about the ruling kind of authority. So if I'm playing more of a one down, if I'm coming along and I'm being a peacemaker, if I'm just being pure in heart, I'm being transparent, I'm, I'm doing those kinds of things, it doesn't feel like I'm operating in authority. But if you look long-term and you think winning hearts and you think trust, absolutely you are. The guy who's doing the accuser, number one, it's affecting him. Number two, I'm sowing a level of anger into you where it's going to be a fight. And then somewhere in there, I'm going to have to figure out a way to win that fight to, to leverage power over you. Not only anger, but there's a, there's a sense of mistrust that undermines any kind of relationship that's a possibility, it would seem. And then that jump starts us right into the next one. You've got all kinds of different ways of what I call leveraging authority. And let's just start with one of the simple ones that most people don't think about, but it's just comparisons. As soon as I start playing a comparison game, and it might be me to you, or it might be something over here, when I start doing gossip as a form of comparison, it's a negative, judgmental, et cetera. As soon as I start playing the comparison game, most of the time people are doing that for the sake of leveraging some kind of authority or influence point. It's a positioning too, isn't it? It's, it's putting yourself in a place of judgment, uh, authority. Uh, I've got the say, I've got the, I've got the floor, to, so to speak, and so I'm going to speak to this now. It's out of good intentions. Yeah, it's 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 always and out I of good intentions. I don't mean anything bad about this, but and and the, the but is the difference. So you have all of that going on, and they those who compare themselves among themselves, Bible says, are not wise. It's just not a smart thing. As soon as you start playing that, and I I talk about Luke twelve forty eight quite a bit of the time. God does not judge us according to what we do. Now, everyone kind of like, you know, there's a big, that, that's not scriptural. He judges us according to what we do with what we've been given. That's such a powerful principle. So you and I are not going to be judged by the same standards. Not, gonna be, not going to happen. God knows what I was given. God knows what he wants from me because of what I was given, and that's different because you've been given a whole different set of things to work with. My mind is flashing on the preamble. All men are created equal. Uh, that's an interesting thought. It's, it's something that uh, we're steeped in from the time we start 
school and, and on through. Uh, but in one sense, uh, we're not at all. And, and uh, in the divine sense, uh, we're all created, but differently. Every, I, I, it boggles my mind when I think about of all people that have ever lived on earth, no one was exactly the same as another. That's just, I mean, if, if you have trouble uh, putting uh, a picture of God in your head, that just makes it that much more difficult because uh, to, to, to think of all the life that's ever existed and no, not two people were ever exactly alike uh, is, is mind-boggling. You know, I think you could almost say God has created us not necessarily equal, but valuable. Oh, we're, yeah. we're, we all have an incredible value. We have a purpose. We have a place. We all have a place of significance, not sameness. If you take equal to mean sameness, I'm not sure I would even say that it's accurate. But if you start thinking in terms of we're all valuable, we all have a purpose, we all have a place. Well, when I start doing comparisons and, and I go into the gossip mode and, you know, it, it just we're, we're comparing the different values. No, people's value is because of their fit. God has a particular fit. He has a particular place for each one of us. And if we help others find that place, that's, that's an incredible thing. I would think that the difference that you're describing there is, is the individual perception of my value, my perception of what I'm for and worth, versus an individual perception God values in you as an individual, as a person. A specific example of that, I remember when I was working as a principal, we, we had a particular teacher that just, we were just on the borderline, need to fire this person, you know? I mean, it was just like, ah, I just don't know what to do. And what was interesting, I started looking at that and lurk, looking at the total situation, and I found out this particular teacher was really good in one particular area and seemed to excel there. So we went back in and we completely redefined job definitions. And lo and behold, I mean, it just, it worked out incredibly. It, it helped the entire staff. It helped the entire school. It, it was positive towards a particular person. I mean, it just, a lot of times fit is such a powerful word. And instead of understanding the differences and coming along and working with that and declaring everyone valuable, what we do, we play that comparison game on a basis of sameness and we start ranking people and you're valuable and you're not valuable. None of that is biblical and all of that is a power game that is not of God. And we, as individuals, we participate in that way too often and way too eagerly that we compare ourselves to others and, and uh, in, the, in the hope that we can build up our own self-perception that uh, we have value. Well, uh, God is the one that establishes value, and, and we participate. 2 Timothy 2, 16 through 18, it says, Paul instructs Timothy, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Another thing people do, uh, they're pretty good at running their mouth. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> here we are talking. So, uh, okay, let, let's just close it up. 
but they're pretty good at running their mouth. And sometimes people do it in conversations. Uh, you've probably met people, been around people who people. they control conversation. I mean, you literally almost can't get in a word and they're insecure. And so that control of the conversation is a part of it. But what they're talking about biblically here is also he, he talks about prating and you know just kind of prancing around and I'm I'm wonderful and this person's terrible and et cetera. And it's interesting, a lot of times people use all kinds of secret knowledge. They use, I mean, they use all kinds of different things to build themselves up and to make themselves look good. And so I use words, I use knowledge as a kind of power game. To, to leverage myself uh, with other people. Perceived words, perceived knowledge, maybe. Uh, it's interesting to me that uh, when a person uh, is in a group and, and dominates conversation, uh, generally I take it as uh, they really don't want to have to confront anybody else's opinion. Uh, and along with they may have a very high uh, idea about their own. About but uh, uh, when, when someone refuses to cede the floor and, and give it to someone else, uh, I usually have a, a shutoff point <laughs> where, where I lose interest in what they have to say because it's just rambling. What's interesting, this especially happens in the area of religious language. It's, it's kind of interesting. A lot of times when people find out I'm a pastor and, you know, do what I do, it's it just like they shift gears and they, they begin to put on some of their most spiritual language. Get and, very lofty. Yeah, and, and, and they bring in whatever, and it's kind of like, uh, yeah, okay. And they really don't want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, they don't necessarily want to hear what you have to say. That, that happens too, but— Many times people will do the secret knowledge, well, what about this interpretation of Scripture, etc., and they'll put on various forms of religious language or even religious practice as a means of trying to say, I'm important. I'm going to try to leverage that importance over you. Again, all of it comes back to that comparison piece, if you will, where I'm trying to build myself up in a way that I'm over you instead of listening to you, validating you, seeing who you are. Anything that doesn't build trust, anything that doesn't build genuine love connection, you're losing authority. You may have short-term authority in terms of a position or in terms of some kind of a power sort of a thing. You, you can get short-term, but long-term, it just doesn't work. Sadly, that's one of the things that, uh, in my estimation, uh, does the most damage in religion, quote religion, is that uh, we're so busy uh, setting up, this is why I'm right, and, and I believe what I believe, and if you don't believe what I believe, you're probably questionable at best and dead wrong in, in other ways, more ways than one. But, but uh, instead of, of it being someone uh, interested in what you believe and why you believe it, and having a conversation about it, it's well. This is what I believe, and if you don't agree with me, then it's probably you that's got the problem, and not me. Let me talk about. I, I think this is kind of a neat as a summary. 
demonic authority does the following. Number one, it shuts down communion. And notice I put that first, and then I put a comma, communication. Communion, we don't think about that. But if there's something that goes on between the two of us that shuts down our ability to connect and to to have this thing going on between us where there's there's a level of you know what I'm I'm with you I'm connecting I'm for you you know the the biblical kinds of values trust goes back to that if it shuts that down I may still be able to communicate with you but I can no longer commune with you at a connectedness level it's a shared experience mm-hmm. then it's something that we have in common when I'm playing the language games, when I'm controlling the conversation, when I'm leveraging words or leveraging knowledge to try to make myself better than you or, or, or whatever, I'm shutting down, first of all, communion. I, I'm creating a level of competition, but I'm potentially at some point it spills over to where I even shut down communication to where, you know what, I really don't even want to talk to that guy. Or... If I do talk to him, I'm going to parse my words. I'm going to be extremely careful. I've been in relationships where I, I said, anything you say can or will be used against you, or if what you say can't be used against you, will be twisted in a way that it can be used against you. In my upbringing, communion was another uh, way of expressing the Lord's Supper. Uh, speak about what the Lord the Lord's Supper communion uh, really represents? Well, the Lord's Supper, the, we're partaking of the body, of the bread, you know, I mean, and, and then the blood, and you're, you're getting to that place of like total unity, total communion. Co- oneness. Oneness, just an absolute oneness and absolute connection. And so through the sacraments, there should be that time of just having another word that I use is high, high-level identification with Christ, where I'm totally identifying with him, I, I'm identifying with his suffering, I'm identifying with his sacrifice, so that I'm now willing to lay down my life for him. That's high-level communion, connection at that point. Same thing should happen, to some extent, between people where we're on the same page and we're, we're just really feeling a higher level of connection. When you're doing authority in an unhealthy way, that goes away. And at best, you have communication. One of the interesting things about it is it's past, present, and future all in one. Uh, there's, a, there's a past to it. There's, there's uh, creation. Uh, there's there's uh, God making man relationship. There's, there's a, a present. There's a now. Uh, that you're experiencing personally and collectively with with a group of other people, and and there's a future, and and it's all at once, even though it's different segments of time. That's another union that's within that union that's really important to have an idea about. Second one that I talk about is it divides people. That's that's not too much different, but what happens a lot of times with unhealthy authority, and we didn't actually talk about that, but it's interesting how people will use language to to gather people to themselves and to pit themselves against other people. When you're using authority in a healthy way, you're finding people's fit. You're finding 
their purpose and you're you're willing to try to to give them a launch point into their purpose and i'm not worried about you finding your fit god has a place for all of us so i'm not worried about you really taking anything away from me in fact if i help you it actually adds to me well if i have a very closed worldview and it's very competitive you know that's another one of those words that we didn't talk about but when authority you know becomes competitive and we're pitting people against people wow it's it's not good so then I get into this place where it's dividing. If, if the way you're doing influence is dividing people, it's not good. This, uh, we've talked about this before, but you and I have about uh, one of the difficulties I have with religion is that we choose what we're going to major in. Uh, I believe this is, this is the way that it should be. I, I use baptism. I was raised in a Baptist church. Uh, you got to be dunked. If you're not dunked, if you're sprinkled or anything else, doesn't count. Uh, that's just w one idea. But every, quote, religion has its ideas about this is it. And if, if your ideas are different, uh, there's no conversation to, to, to find common good uh, and, and the uncommon good that is God's good. Uh, it's an effort to point out that I'm right and you're wrong, and that's nowhere to go either. The third one I have down is it stunts growth. If I'm actually doing authority the right way, I'm going to take it back to fathers. You know, what do you do? You, you train. You come alongside. You don't punish your kids into a better place. You actually coach them. You come alongside. You nurture. When authority's being done right, I'm maximizing you. I'm helping you. And if I'm helping you become greater, better, you're going to value me. You're going to appreciate me. You're going to trust me. You want to have good authority. You, you encourage other people. You, you set them off to, toward their potential. Next one that I talk about is uh, it exposes others to danger. You know, th that's an interesting one. If I'm really doing authority in a negative way, I'm going to put you at risk and keep myself safe. So I'm, I'm literally going to, you know, the, the Gentiles, you know, the, the lords, you know, they, well, I'm, I'm too valuable. You know, we see some of that. I, I'm too valuable. I need these perks. I need this protection. But, you know, I'm going to expose all of you to danger. And, and it's, just, it's just a different mindset. It, it Again, it, it comes back to value. If you really value other people the way you should, it's healthy authority. When you're setting yourself up over and above, it is unhealthy authority. It's a bit of a blame, blame game, isn't it? That, uh, and, and then with the ulterior, uh, well, I'm doing this for your own good. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Another one I have down is it destroys output. Uh, healthy authority builds team. Unhealthy authority pits people one against another in a way that destroys team, and team always does more. You know, I mean, it just when you've got a combination of people working together, and otherwise you've got one person trying to be preeminent. They're trying to be the the big dog. They're trying to be in charge. I'm 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 using. I mean, these are outcomes of negative authority, and we don't think about. It. We think about no, I just. I'm just sick and tired of that person. I've, I've got to find a way to, 
to leverage this situation and take authority over that person. We're not real prone to ask why we're we're feeling that way, and and uh, may that have something to do with us. Possibly the biggest one of all, it destroys value. John ten ten. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The number one thing Satan does by being an accuser of the brethren, by operating the way he does, he steals our sense of worth. I say over and over again, in addiction, working with people, working with marriages, you give me the area. If I could deal with the insecurity issue, I think everything else would be like a piece of cake. I mean, it's, it's so comparatively easy. If, if I can get two people to work with each other in a way that they're building the value of the other person, value cannot be achieved, it must be received. So if I've got a marriage and you've got the partners, and if I can get the husband to build the value of the wife and the wife to build the value of the husband, you know, almost all the other stuff just starts to go away. But as long as I've got a power struggle going on there and there's leveraging going on back and forth, good luck fixing that marriage or helping them get better because the stolen value, when you're struggling with your worth, everything looks different, feels different, acts different, comes out different, your perception is different, your giving is different. So this stealing of value may be, not sure why I put it sixth, it may be the biggest out of all of the ones that I've listed so far. Well, it could be you were thinking that it all builds to a, a crescendo, the, the big finish, and, and uh, the way we perceive who we are in Christ has a big difference in how we play it out in our lives. And are you ready for the last one? I thought it's that probably, was it's, it. It's probably not the last of the last, <laughs> but, but it, it brings confusion. When we are operating in a way that is godly and we're building, building people, the parts start fitting together. Things start making sense. God shows up. He speaks. He gives an order. He gives a direction. It comes into unity. It's, it's, it's just incredible. Now, confusion, basically, James talks about confusion pretty much comes out of selfish ambition. So if I'm over here and I'm in a world where healthy authority is being done and things are being maximized, I feel good about myself, I have value, there, I'm getting good outcomes. If I'm not getting good outcomes, if I don't have a sense of value, at some point for me to feel good about me, I'm going to start pressing things in a selfish ambition direction. I'm going to, I'm going to press this to where's my place? Where's my role? What, when do I get, get what, et cetera? As soon as I step into that place, the outcome biblically is confusion. And how many people do you know that just walk around, I'm just, I'm just so confused. I'm just so confused. Well, I'll guarantee you authority is not being done in a healthy way in that person, around that person. Uh, it, there's just a struggle for, for that area. For years uh, in my upbringing, I, 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 I kind of had an idea about God Almighty, uh, Jesus, but the Holy Spirit was, uh, it was out there somewhere. And uh, uh, the way I put it back then was it was God the Father, Son, and oh, what's his name? Uh, and now my perception is that when I feel things that are right and may not have an understanding why they are, 
It's the Holy Spirit's work within me, perceiving things that are above me, beyond me, or I'm just not aware of what's going on, and yet I know there's a presence there that uh, it makes sense, and I'm, I'm at peace with it. A good summary of healthy authority, unhealthy authority, if I'm loving people. Now, what is loving people? I'm looking for the common good. I'm looking for better outcomes. If I'm laying my life down for people to serve them, to bless them, to build them up, I'm, I'm putting others first. When I'm doing that, I'm building trust. This whole thing starts to work. When it becomes competitive, when it becomes comparative, when it becomes leveraging all of that, then I start getting all of these negative outcomes. And people don't realize that because in the moment, Satan provides pleasure for a moment. In the moment, if I give him that zinger just for a little bit, I look really intelligent and it really, man, it feels like I've gained a, a leverage point and wow, that, that's good. And it just, it really feels good in the moment. But many times in the long run, you step back and you're like, uh, Maybe I not. think I'm regretting what I said and how I said it there. Yeah, we have a, t a tendency to rush right in there. and Boy, that's, that was good stuff. And then it's like, well, maybe not. Let me do a rundown just by comparison because we didn't do this. But healthy authority brings a greater fellowship and connection. So what happens? It, when I'm doing it right, we come together. It brings a greater sense of partnership, combined strength in any effort. So you, you've got the whole idea of team. You get, and this one I love, you get growth. You get transformation. It's good for you. Yeah. You get nurture. You get the care of the individual. You get covering, protection, and even legal intercession for those in your care. I, when you're doing it the right way, your, your prayers become effective. They become powerful before God. You get glory. You know what's really cool? When you do authority the right way, God shows up and validates it. And it just, it becomes greater than. It, it, it just, it's, there's a solidness of character. There's appropriate rewards, right standards. You also get a setting of boundaries that help people find their place. You know, I talked about selfish ambition just a little bit ago. No, we don't need selfish ambition. We need purpose. We need place. We need fit. And then last of all, the number seven that I have, you get vision. You get unity, a unified sense of language for the sake of understanding and better judgment. When you start thinking about those are the outcomes when I do biblical influence, when I'm loving on you, treating you the right way versus when I'm trying to leverage and gain an advantage and, and, and really take this thing over. I had an interesting thing happen just yesterday in the hardware store, no less. I uh, ran into a guy that uh, I used to do some work for. And we did things together, and he kind of went off a deep end uh, and had health problems as well as as other. And he seemed different. He looked healthier. He looked. He spoke in a way. And just before, kind of as a side, he said, "Oh, I'm going to church now." And I said, "Well, good for you." And and his answer was, "Yeah, good for me." And and. Uh, it was one of those moments that uh, uh, it transcended 
a, a long period where we didn't communicate at all. And, and uh, it was his acknowledgement that, that the spiritual end of things was where he needed to, to land, and, and he was on that road. And that was, that was a blessing. Many times people don't come to Christ because of what they have to give up. It's going to cost me this. It's going, if you look at these outcomes of unhealthy authority versus the outcomes of healthy authority, how can you be worried about what you're giving up when you look at what you're gaining? God's ways are like that. When we truly follow them, it may feel like death to self at first, and it is to some extent. It may feel like we're giving up some stuff. But in the long run, what we get back is truly amazing. Hopefully, I'll leave you with that challenge that you'll grab hold of this stuff, learn to implement it in your life. If you do, I believe you will be very glad you did. Video production, editing, and audio by Matthew. Set design and setup by Ashley. Content recorded live at Studio 104.